Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Great to see everyone. Uh, my wife, Victoria, she actually got a little word for you guys as a congregation, so... Let's give her a round. It's her birthday today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so nice. Um, I'm a teacher. I've been on school camp, so I've got teacher's voice this morning. I don't normally sound quite this husky. Um, yeah, look, I was just praying this really word that I think fits really well with what you've just been speaking about in your announcements. But um, I felt the Lord gave me this word before we got here this morning. Um, that I was just praying for you guys and like just asking the Lord to speak to me about the church and did he have an encouragement. And what I saw was um, this, it's like, you know in those movies they have the action scenes and the road breaks open and all of a sudden like a water pipe explodes and shoots up in the sky. Everybody knows that image. That was kind of what I saw and I felt like um, this, like the, ro- the floor just cracked open and out of it just shot up into the sky this stream of living water like a well had been cracked open. And I said to the Lord, like, what is this? What does it mean? And I felt like he was saying, you know, there is this depth of this well of the living waters of God in this house. But there's going to be an exponential releasing of that in this coming season. And I sort of pressed again and said, well, how, Lord? Like, what's going to cause that to crack open? And the funny thing is, I felt like the Lord said, the key to the depths of this releasing more would be through prayer and worship. And it's so interesting you have you know, a weekend coming up of prayer and worship. I feel like as you get before the face of God, as you lean into Him, as you worship Him and pray, and I feel like there was a coupling of the Word in that as well. So I encourage you as you go into this weekend, like pray the Word. What scriptures has God got for your church that you can declare over this house? Um, really, there's something in that as well. So I just want to encourage you that you're obviously just right on track with what the Lord's doing and what He's asking for you, and how beautiful that you're responding to His call for prayer and worship this weekend. But hopefully this comes as an encouragement to you that I feel like that there's, like, if you haven't signed up yet, get excited, because there is something that will come from this that will be extraordinary and beautiful. And, you know, I was reminded um, in Revelation, let me open up, right at the end, I do love this verse, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who, who wishes to take the gift, the free gift of the water of life, you know, and there is a gift here to be had of God and to be released here through you, through your prayers, through your worship. And the other thing, sorry, I'm not going to preach a sermon. The other thing was, sorry, I just remember the other thing. The other thing was, I felt I saw um, Jesus upon the cross crucified. And I felt like as you just make him known, that evangelism will take um, will increase in this house, that all you need to do is make Jesus known. I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you, don't complicate it. Just, however, in everything, make him known. But there was something about making the crucified Christ known. The the suffering Christ, the one who died for us, the one who laid down his life for us, the, the humble, the merciful God, making Jesus known in everything. So simple, but that is what will turn the heart of your neighborhood towards him. Great. And the dancers. Are there any dancers in here? Any dancers? Because if there's dancers, I feel like you should let loose on that this weekend. Amen. I will not be dancing. 
Thank you. Um, it's great to be here this morning. I'm very excited because we got up here last night and we special treat for my wife's birthday weekend. We went to the pub to watch the footy. And uh, I'm a Tigers fan. And oh my gosh, we haven't won a game in like 13 years. And then we win one by 60 points. So I'm excited by that. And obviously getting into the Word of God as well. Um, so my name is Tim. I'm the pastor at Manly Life. We planted our church about 11 years ago with the Baptist denomination. A little bit like you guys, we kind of inherited a building. And um, it's, a, it's a wonderful church. Um, we're a few years, I guess, ahead of you guys on that journey. Married to Victoria, dad to Hope and Luca. Um, they're eight and ten. They're here this morning. Every church they, when we go visit, every church they ever go to that's not ours, they always think is so much better than our church. Um, we went to this one church in Newcastle. They had an indoor jumping castle. I, like, I can't compete with that. Where's your indoor jumping castle? You have one? Uh, that's cool. Is that Josh? Yeah. Your sister's leading worship at Manly Life this morning. There you go. There's only like four Christians, I reckon, and like we're, we're like all related and <laughs> we all know each other. Um, so we're staying at the entrance. It's nice to be here. And this church looking beautiful as well. So well done, guys. Um, what can you say about Benj? Um, handsome, <laughs> uh, an amazing friend, wise. He's been like a mentor to me, um, a father figure to many within our Baptist movement. Uh, intellectually incredible. Uh, he can like remember phone numbers and stuff. Um, the sheer physicality of the man. Um, it's hard to, I can't quite read your writing here, Benj. Um, <laughs> oh no, I got it now. It's hard to in, underestimate the impact he has had on Christendom. Do you want this back, Benj? Or... <laughs> All right, well, it's good to be here. Uh, there's certain talks that, like, you always get ministers from other churches to come and give. Um, is that right, Benj? There's some, like, just, like, get someone else to do it. The sex talk, always get someone else to do that, uh, which is really, like, Beyonce just said, if you want it, then you've got to put a ring on it. Um, there's the commitment, join a, vo be a volunteer talk. Actually, I don't mind giving that one. Um, and then there's the giving generosity talk. You definitely get someone else to give that. So that's what I'm doing today, uh, talk on generosity. It reminds me of the story of the $5 note and the $100 note. They hadn't seen each other in ages, and then this $5 note runs into a $100 note in a wallet, and the $100 note's like, oh, I've been living my best life. You know, I've been um, at the casino and at the shops, and I even went to Kim's at Tawoon Bay. And then he just, he just says to the $5 note, what have you been up to? And the $5 note's like, oh, same as always, church, church, church. <laughs> oh, it's an oldie but a goodie. All right. Well, I think you guys have been doing a series on cultivating these practices that help us follow the way of Jesus. Um, and that's really cool. Things like prioritizing Sabbath rest and prayer and getting into the Scriptures. We don't become formed as followers of Christ by accident. We've got to develop these practices in our lives. And, and then things like outward expressions like serving and hospitality. And so today, how do we cultivate a deeply generous life where money becomes our servant rather than our master? So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and I just want to read from verses 1 to 4. 
Bring a Bible to church. It never hurts. Bring it on your phone. All right, this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we just pray a blessing over this message. Father, we just pray for open ears and soft hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got to say, this passage really offends my sensibilities. Um, if I give, I definitely want full credit. Um, maybe like a brick with my name on it or a wing of the church named after me. Uh, if I do a good deed, I really think it's in the public interest that I post about it on Facebook. Um, if I help an old lady across the road, it's definitely worth stopping her to asking if we can get a little selfie so I can put it up on Instagram. Uh, when I'm generous, I like my left hand and my right hand, my feet, my knees, my torso and my head all to know about it. Um, so Jesus, what's this all about? What's, what's this all about? You want us to give, but you want us to do it in a way that it's for an audience of one. And I think in this passage, what Jesus is doing is taking us deeper and deeper into the inner condition of our lives, right? If we're going to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth and it's going to happen through his spirit-filled disciples, um, then Jesus is explaining what it looks like to live subversively, counterculturally in the kingdom of heaven. So we're to develop these practices that forms the life of Christ within us, helps us overcome the strength of the flesh, then the antidote to things like greed and selfishness is clearly going to be generosity and doing it in such a way that we're not looking for honor from others. So I want to talk about three things today. Generosity is about our relationship with our Father. Generosity as a child of God is assumed. And then thirdly, Jesus warns us about our motives for giving and the desires to be recognized. Does that sound good? Wow, you, this, is, this is like manly life. The morning service is always a little tougher because people have just woken up. All right. Firstly, this is about our relationship with our Father in heaven. Um, have you ever noticed, if you've read the Sermon on the Mount, how often Jesus refers to God as Father? So Matthew 5.16, we shine our light in order to glorify our Father in heaven. Matthew 5.45, we love our enemies that we may be called children of our Father in heaven. When he teaches us to pray, Matthew 6.9, it's to our Father who is in heaven. And then so much of chapter 6, which I think is the, some of the most brilliant teaching on generosity, prayer, and fasting, is about our Father seeing what is done in secret and then rewarding us. So put simply, as we come to know Jesus and what Jesus taught, there's no way to understand Him except by His relationship to the Father, to His Father. Um, sometimes Jesus uses the Greek word for father, which is pater. Uh, other times he uses his native Aramaic tongue. And this more intimate word for father, which is Abba. 
Uh, in Luke 2, Jesus wanders off from his folks and he ends up in the temple. And then when they find him and they're a bit upset, um, he says, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Um, we also hear that Jesus regularly slips away in the morning to pray just to be with his father. Uh, in John's gospel, he says, I only do what I see the father doing. And then on the cross, what are the words he utters? You know, that moment of heart-wrenching agony. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So in other words, Jesus lives for and with and in his Father. He knows God to be Father. And for some of us who've had difficult experiences of our own fathers or being a dad, that, that can be tricky language, right? Um, but Jesus wants to, if we'll allow to reshape our ideas around God as Father. And, and I think even in time, we'll reshape how we will be parents. But to understand how Jesus understood God as Father, of course, you know, when he encapsulates the gospel uh, in the story of the prodigal son, who is God like? He's like a lovesick father who runs to his wayward child returning. And he says, this son of mine who has lost is found, who is dead is now alive. And, and, and so God, according to Jesus, is just this father to have relationship with. Now, why is that all important? Because Jesus wants to experience the same God that he knew as father for us personally. Uh, he wants our lives to be centered around pleasing, not the world, putting a show on that we might kind of be honored by, you know, the culture around us but that we might live a life that pleases our heavenly Father who knows and sees everything and rewards us. Um, I think so much of the Christian faith and journey is just about coming to be a child of God. And then the way that that then translates our desires and minds and hearts, right? Because as we take on the family likeness, as we enjoy the same kind of intimacy that Jesus had with his heavenly Father, uh, what's going to happen is these new ways of life are going to emerge within us. These new practices are not going to come from a place of striving, but a place of relationship. Amen? All right, secondly, generosity as a child of God is assumed. Jesus doesn't say, if you fast or if you pray or if you give, but instead he says, when you give. Uh, to be a Christian and to not give to the work of the church and to the needy, we'd be like a cricketer who doesn't have a bat, right? Or an accountant who doesn't have a calculator or a, or a social media influencer who doesn't have an Instagram account, right? right? To be a Christian is just to give. It's assumed. If you're a child of God, a defining mark of your life will be generosity. If you are a member of Greenhouse Church in Long Jetty, you will give generously. Uh, not six months after joining, uh, not occasionally, not from what's left over, uh, not insignificant amounts compared to your earnings, but as a child of God who has that kind of relationship with the Father, you will give. And I think indeed, that's, can I just say, like that, that's the benefit of setting up a direct debit to your church and to support organizations that bless the poor. You're going to be intentional, right? You're not going to give from your leftovers, 
but you're going to give from a place where you've prayed and discerned and worked out what stretches you and what's generous, and you're going to be intentional. But it is assumed of Christians that we are a generous people. Now, why is it assumed by Jesus? Uh, Remember, Jesus comes into a story of a family that are blessed by God in order that all the nations on earth will be blessed. Right? Jesus, you know, that little story of when he went to the temple and wanted to be in his father's house. I assume part of that was reading the wisdom of the Proverbs. Um, This was, after all, the book of Proverbs is like the child-raising manual of the children of God in the Old Testament, right? When they were raising their children, this is the kind of the book that they would uh, encourage them to grow in and to be steeped in the wisdom of. So Jesus knew, Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce, and then he will fill your barn with grains. Your vats will overflow with good wine. Jesus knew, Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Right? Jesus knew, Proverbs eleven twenty four, give freely and become more wealthy, be stingy and lose everything. Right? That, that, that's the kind of stuff that he grew up in, in his father's house, learning the way of generosity. So Jesus assumes it because Jesus knows what's required of the children of God, right? We honor God with our wealth. We're the kind of people who who give to the poor, right? Every Christian, I would suggest, needs to have an edge to their life where they're involved with serving the poor and giving to the poor, right? Again, like it would just be, it doesn't make sense to be a Christian and not to be somehow involved in serving and giving to the poor. And we freely give and we stop being stingy. Um, One of the things that I encourage manly life people to be aware of, um, living in a place like the northern beaches of Sydney, is that we always compare ourselves, don't we, to people who are better off than us, right? Now, the suburb I live in, the average median house goes for $3.8 million, right? It's just completely and utterly stupid, But when you live in that kind of world, wealth becomes normal and you compare yourself to everyone who's got more than you. And so we find ourselves with kind of little spare money because we stretch ourselves to debt to absolute breaking point to keep up with the people around us, right? And and I think the result is what happens is we become stingy because we, we never get time to think about the generous side of our lives, So what a shame, because God calls us to honor him and the poor with our wealth. And let me assure you, if you live anywhere near here, if you're renting, if you own, you are amongst some of the wealthiest people on earth. So we want to cultivate generosity. Uh, And this, for many, takes a move of God in our hearts and obedience to the Word of God. And I really do believe it commands a blessing. You know, I don't want to go all kind of Pentecostal, name it and claim it and wealth prosperity doctrine on you. But, but the word says that as we give, you know, we will become more wealthy. There's something about the way we orient our hearts in order that God might bless us. So uh, I'm just mindful of today not to talk about my own generosity in public. <laughs> 
But if I'm honest, it took me way too long to get on board with giving and giving generously, right? Um, much to my own shame. I always just thought it's what the older people at church do or the people who own their homes do. But actually, it's what we're all called to do, right? And so for several years now, Victoria and I, we've been intentional about our giving. And I've got to say, it's something I love to do. So if you play cricket, it's assume you own a bat. If you're a child of God, it is assumed that your heart has been turned outward in generosity. Stingy Christian is an oxymoron, right? And one of the great signs that you're truly converted to Christ is that you give. You give. And you, you, you become known for your generosity. Um, one of my friends, Gare, he tells story. His dad passed away, but he tells a story that he just, his dad always just had money in his pocket. And wherever he'd go, he'd always just give kids and people money, right? Like, it just, he just wanted to be a blessing wherever he went. He'd just give a 20 or he'd give a 50 to someone. And, and just get known for your generosity. Uh, so much of the Christian life is aligned with Matthew 10.8. Jesus says, freely you've received, now freely give. So out of gratitude for the blessings of your life, provision, your salvation, you become a blessing. Right? And, that, and that's so much of the Christian life, right? You, you've, you've been forgiven so freely. And so what God wants to do in us is that we might become a people who forgive others, right? You've been saved, so you just naturally want to tell others about salvation. So same with giving, right? God, you've provided for me, so out of gratitude and thankfulness, I'll provide for others. Um, so do you know people like this? Do you know people like this who are just like generosity, such a marker of their lives? Uh, one of the stories that always stuck with me, when I was at, I studied, uh, did my Bible college in Vancouver in Canada, and we used to do lectures, and then we'd go to this Irish pub in the evening and have some drinks and just unwind, and some of the professors used to come along, and it was a really great kind of way to finish the academic week. And I remember one time, there must have been someone who just overheard our tables conversation, and we'd spent a fair bit of money that night on drinks and food, and there was quite a big group of us. And this person anonymously had just gone quietly and paid the bill for us, right? And then when we went to get up and leave and go, they were like, no, the bill's been paid. You guys, someone heard you guys were students and studying theology, and they've just come and paid for everything, right? Generosity leaves a mark on you, right? That's the kind of thing that you want to be shaped by and then kind of walk into in your own life as well. So I know I'm hammering at home, but that's the benefit of being an external preacher. Uh, what kind of Jesus follower do you want to be? What about you? Are you going to start giving? Not just Because th- I always remind people at Manly Life, it's like there's a difference between thinking about giving and actually giving. <laughs> All right, so honor the Lord with his work and give generously to the poor. Okay, final thing, and this is, I guess, the heart of the passage. Jesus warns us against our motives for giving and the desire to be recognized. So let's hear it again, Matthew 6, 1 to 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I mean, Jesus is a genius, right? How, how brilliant is our Savior that even in an area like this, He just wants to go after our hearts. It should come as no great surprise that Jesus warns us against practicing our righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Now, why does he do that? Because, because I think Jesus is deeply concerned with the inner condition of his children. The context of this passage in the Sermon on the Mount is this is what it looks like to live as citizens of King Jesus. It's not just about external conformity to the law when it comes to murder or marriage or how we treat our enemies, but Jesus actually wants to heal and transform the broken conditions of our inner lives. And so that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, he goes after not just what we do, but actually goes after anger and lust and our desire for revenge. So beware, he says in this next section, of practicing your righteousness in front of others. He says, that's what the hypocrites do. And they've received their reward in full. And so deeper and deeper into our hearts goes Jesus, right? Deeper into our inner motivations to be seen and honored by others. So what's Jesus doing here? Well, it appears that Jesus is saying that in the coming kingdom of heaven, that he is bringing on earth, that it can get hijacked in our lives by the desire to find approval from others, right? So he says, be on guard. Be on guard. This is the kind of thing that can block the kingdom of heaven from breaking out in you. So he's bringing heaven to earth. And he says, hypocrites, he says, announce their giving to the needy with trumpets to be honored by others. Uh, On our righteousness, I like what A.B. Bruce, the Scottish 19th century theologian said. He said, show when you are tempted to hide and hide when you are tempted to show. Isn't that good? Uh, so, when, so when are you tempted to hide? Uh, Jesus has, of course, in the same sermon, called us to be the light of the world, uh, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, right? So clearly there are meant to be, in your Christian life, visible acts of righteousness that Jesus desires for us to exhibit before the world. Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heaven, uh, your Father in heaven. But that seems to be more about like our character, um, about kind of our acts of mercy, our kindness, our treatment of enemies, uh, our desire to be peacemakers. But then we are told, hide what we're tempted to show right? Hide what we're tempted to show. Is that good? So, you know, don't parade your generosity with trumpets. So, you know, don't pray publicly to try and impress people with lots of flowery words, right? When you fast, you know, don't do it where everyone will notice just how serious and self-denying you've been, right? Show when you're tempted to hide, hide when you're tempted to show. Hide when the motive is to display how good you are and show when the motive is to display how great God is. And this seems to be not just so much the privatization of piety, but the purification of motive, 
right? Let me say that again. It seems to be not so much the privatization of piety, but the purification of motive. Whose eyes are you giving for, right? Who do you pray for? Who do you, who do you fast in order to please? I've got to say, this is so liberating. It's so liberating. Dying to the need for the approval of others. Wouldn't you say that we're, we're like just a generation who is dying for the approval of the people around us, right? That's why we're stuck on social media so often. It's because we're desperate for likes and to be acknowledged by others. And so Jesus says, you know, be set free from that. Live generously for an audience of one, one like, <laughs> right? We all have got that desire to be noticed and affirmed, to receive positive attention. Let it come from your heavenly Father. And the phrase Jesus uses, receive their reward in full, it's a business term from ancient days. It means receiving full payment, right? If you're in business, you know, receive payment in full. If, if, if I give to get applause and recognition from others, Jesus says you've received full payment, right? That's your reward. You've got it. But then what room is there for God to reward you? Uh, you've got what you wanted. It's almost like Jesus is saying, so move along, right? Move along. But I ought to get the reward from the Heavenly Father. And what's this reward? Well, surely it is the kind of relationship that Jesus experienced with His Father, right? That seems like a pretty great thing to be entering into. Surely it's the promise of Proverbs of lacking nothing. Surely it's the rewards of not having to have everything we do applauded by others. Maybe like Jesus, even the Father's voice saying, this is my son, this is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. The reward is to be drawn alongside your Father in heaven and just to enjoy His presence and His blessing and His delight. Well, I guess as I finish, let me just encourage us into action. Um, as I said, I sometimes joke at Manly Life, there is a difference between thinking about giving and actually giving. So I want to encourage you guys this week or this morning, like, let's be generous to our church here, uh, Greenhouse at Long Jetty. Let's actually take that step of praying and thinking, what do we want to give, setting aside that and maybe setting up that direct debit. Um, what a wonderful thought, what, a, what an awesome thought that the family of God here at Greenhouse in Long Jetty would be a generous people, ones who give to the church and the poor, not needing the applause of the world, and that this church's reputation would be a place where there's just a whole bunch of people who've received freely from God and just love to freely give away. Um, there is just such a massive future for this church, isn't there? Like, you know, j jokes aside, to have uh, Benj and Mel leading you guys is, is an incredible blessing. And, and nothing comes about by chance, right? These guys have sown and prayed and worked hard that this church might come into fruition. You know, and I just, you know, even just walking in this morning for Victoria and I, you know, immediately you just see health, you see life, you see fun, you see friendship, right? This is the, this is the church I would be at if I was living anywhere on the central coast. So how amazing to think that this church would be just fully funded by the people of God. So I so believe in you guys. Keep going. Don't take them for granted. 
right? Make sure you're cheering on this guy because being a pastor is not always an easy job. So encourage them, ask them regularly, how can I support you? How can I look after you? You know, so believe in what you guys are doing here. Um, I just want to say well done for the last several years as well, right? This is, this is, you know, so many churches are closing or in decline, and this church here is flourishing. Um, you guys have been so faithful, so inspiring, so well done. So let's be generous, man. Amen. Amen.